Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Welcome to the Larry Crater Leadership Podcast. Sitting here in the studio today again is my friend Peter Bunton. And the second week in a row is we're talking about how Christianity has changed the world. We're having this discussion. Uh, again, Peter Bunton, for those of you who don't know Peter, he's an author. Uh, he's written the book, Cell Groups and House Churches, What History Teaches Us, Involving Missions, uh, Preparing to Go. There's three of his books, plus many other works that he's done that are on the show notes online. And serving today as the DMI, Dub Mission International Missions Director, serving on the Dub International Apostolic Council, originally from England, now living here in Pennsylvania. That's right. It's been a joy to be in the same team with you for all these years, Peter. Thank you. Likewise. So, yeah. in the midst of the previous podcast, we discussed how Christians have influenced the world. Uh, please do some recap. Some of the things we covered in the, in the last podcast. Okay, sure. Uh, we mentioned a, a couple of underlying things, I think. One is how Christians sought to have a biblical worldview. Correct. And particularly the scriptures teaching about how we as humans are made and reflect the image of God, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how transformational that was. Yes. So Christians took a high view of human life, the sanctity of life. We saw how they helped uh, abolish infanticide mm -hmm. in many nations, have spoken out against the taking of the life of a child in a mother's womb, but also the treatment of criminals. They right. also reflect the image of God. How should they be treated? Mm -hmm. uh, and we saw how they've advocated and helped change laws in different societies, even in India, uh, abandoning the practice of widow burning, which was very common. Yeah, so we've looked at some of those issues. I think we also touched upon education and how Christians in many nations led out in educating people and saw that as part of their Christian service. Um, and things like slavery, standing up against slavery, uh, gender equality, uh, how the teaching of Jesus and the early church transformed mm -hmm. the view and the position of women. So uh, those are some of the things we talked about. We talked about how it's, at times it can be a checkered history. The church has sometimes got it a bit wrong, but how through renewal, God often redeems and new ways of Christians come and really stand up for biblical truth and how much society has mm -hmm. been influenced in many countries because of Christians. Exactly. And Peter, I've had you on this podcast because as I mentioned last podcast, I heard you teach on this. It was so profound to me. It helped me so much. And uh, as leaders, this is a leadership podcast. We're called to obviously see individual lives change, but also see change come in the society around us. And that's why I think this is all so important for us to look at. So I know there's much to say on other areas as well. We've, sure. just, we've just got started, and that's why we have the second podcast. What are some of the advancements in society that have stemmed from Christians or have been outworkings of Christian beliefs, Peter? Sure. Well, uh, Following on from what we talked about uh, last time, um, we didn't particularly mention some other areas, one being science. So maybe mm -hmm. we could start great. there. Um, we did talk about how Christians saw that if there was a God 
who created this world, then there must be an order to it, a reason to it, a rationale, Correct. and that much isn't random. And that worldview actually has led to scientific discovery and the world of science as we know it today. Um, for example, um, Robert Grossetester, back in the 12 and 1300s in Oxford, he was a bishop, and he proposed an experimental inductive method, uh, which really became the kind of forerunner for the scientific method today, that we can test things and prove really? things and empirical you know, evidence. Yeah. And it was Christians who believed that because of their worldview that said, if God has created this world, there must be laws and structures and mm. reasons, and we therefore can discover them, and yes. maybe there's good things in discovering them. So if you just have a random view of the world, then it doesn't really lead to science. So I give an example, for example, uh, laws of gravity or aerodynamics. Right. We wouldn't have aircraft today if people didn't believe there are some laws out there that if we figure them out, maybe we can work within them and eventually have airplanes and fly around the world. It's amazing. If the world is just random, you don't end up with an airplane. Correct. Correct. But when you understand gravity, when you understand aerodynamics, you can work with what God's created to produce new technologies in harmony with those laws. Mm. So the Christian worldview uh, has been very important uh, in the development of science. Um, for example, I mentioned someone like Vesalius in the 1500s. He was an anatomist who dissected cadavers to work out how the human body mm -hmm. works. And he said, and I quote, we are driven to wonder at the handiwork of the Almighty. And he wrote one of the most influential books or textbooks on anatomy mm. back, you know, 500 or so years ago. But he saw this as part of God's outworking. If God has created us, then right. we can investigate even the human body. Mm -hmm. There are things to learn that may be helpful. So we see Christians involved in really the scientific and medical world. Exactly. Uh, even to do with planets, you know, someone like Kepler saw how the, the planets, the universe, must be the handiwork of God. And he came up with understandings of uh, ellipses um, and just different um, things to do with optics. He contributed to logarithmics, geom geometry, calculus. Uh, he's the one who discovered the moon's gravitational pull on oceans. And it really came from his view that God has created this structure creation and we can find out about it and do good things with it. So people's spirituality and theology influence many areas of society. I even think of um, Isaac Newton, uh, who lived from 1642 to 1727. He's famous for coming up with laws of gravity, right. the laws of motion, right. and so much of uh, our understanding of science. Um, there's some debate, was he actually a Christian? He certainly was a deist. He believed in God. Right, right. And he actually wrote, God governs the world invisibly, and he has commanded us to worship him and no other God. Wow. That sounds a good theological right. statement. And so for him, he outworked that in the area of physics. I think of Pascal. He said, we know God only through Jesus Christ. Wow. And his work 
on liquid pressure. He invented the syringe, the hydraulic press. He helped construct one of the first adding machines. These are amazing breakthrough amazing. scientists who believed in God and believed that the world he created was there with laws and reasoning. And if we could find out those things, we could worship God, but we could probably better society because we understand those things. This is so important to understand yeah. this because, Peter, I find many Christians feel like there's the, the science part of the world is the secular yes. side, yeah. and then there's the Christian side of the world. But in reality, much of the science that we have today was because of Christians yes. who believed in Jesus, yes. who believed he was the Son of God, etc., yes. etc., et yes. and they're the ones behind much of this. Yes, and that, that's true. And even we find throughout history there are people maybe who weren't believers in right. the way we're talking about, but they nevertheless came from this worldview, which was a right. theistic, a Christian, a biblical right. worldview. So, so much Amazing. of science operates within that, even if the, per the individual scientist isn't necessarily uh, a believer. So Christianity has profoundly influenced the development of science and so yeah. much technology yeah. that we have today. I'd really like to talk to you about government. Yes. Uh, because all around the world, you know, like at the many different nations, and so do you, you know, we see different systems of government. Have Christians had anything to say in this vital area? Yes, I think the answer is yes. And really applying some very direct scriptures in yes. terms of government and also legislation and the mm -hmm. way you construct right. society. Uh, for example, in Deuteronomy 19, verse 15, a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Right. So really the way we do legal matters today That's comes true. from the scripture. Mm -hmm. You just can't be accused of something without evidence. Right. It requires multiple witnesses. Mm -hmm. It requires evidence and corroboratory mm -hmm. evidence mm -hmm. for someone to be convicted. So our understandings of our legal system and our government system were influenced by um, the early church. I think of um, Bishop Ambrose uh, of Milan in Italy. In the year 390 AD, there were many riots in the empire, particularly in Thessalonica, modern-day Greece. And the emperor at the time, Theodosius, uh, was involved with slaughtering thousands of people. The church said, no one is above the law, not even the emperor. Mm. And he was excommunicated from the church. The church couldn't punish him with jail, right. but they right. could enforce discipline against Correct. him until he repented. So we find the early church applying scriptures about the legal system, saying mm. no one is above the law. There's an equality uh, before God. And, of course, the whole thing of separation of powers right. in a nation like the U.S. Um, Madison wrote, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. But in framing the Constitution, the, 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 the framers, the founding fathers, yes. realized from a more Christian view of mankind that we are imperfect and people do, do things wrong. Right. We're not angels. <laughs> so even government was set up so no one person could have all the power and do what they want. There were checks and balances and co-equal forms of government. So in a nation like the United States, we see even in constitutional mm -hmm. structures, the Christian influence, the biblical worldview of humanity. Mm -hmm that people need to be released and, and protected, yeah. but also no one should be given too much 
power. So, yes, we see uh, Christians involved with government and the shaping of governments coming from a Christian yeah. perspective. Yeah. Let's, let's dig in deeper. Would you care to comment at all about how the church may have influenced the world in like areas of arts, uh, maybe music, painting, mm -hmm. literature, on and on? Talk to us. Yes. And again, this is profound. And in some ways, I think this is a bit easier for people to understand right. because it seems so direct and tangible. Um, there are, of course, though, the great Christian paintings, I think, of Da Vinci's The Last right. Supper, mm -hmm. um, which I actually got to see in person in the church of uh, Santa Maria delle Grazie in Milan in Italy. Wow. This huge, beautiful work of art. Uh, I think of Rembrandt's uh, work, Christ Healing the Sick, mm -hmm. portraying the compassion of Christ in beautiful painting. Um, one of my favorites is a painting called Holman Hunt, which is in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And it's Christ knocking at the door and the right. door is the human heart uh. and the door is covered in weeds. And are we going to open the door to admit Christ who's carrying light? He's carrying a that's lantern. That's powerful. That powerful. So there's art that's very obviously Christian in right. a sense, beautiful art in many nations, many eras. And so Christians have had a profound influence on the development of something like painting. But more than that, we see, for example, after the Reformation in countries like Holland, um, the Reformed Christians there realizing there was no separation between sacred and secular, mm -hmm. didn't just paint biblical themes. They painted vases of flowers and bowls of fruit and vegetables right. because they were like, well, this is God's territory as well. That's this it, the is of God's God. creation. Mm -hmm. And even a bowl of vegetables or flowers or, or something can speak to us of who God is. Right. So we see a lot of influence in different uh, genres of painting throughout um, history. So that's one form of art. But of course, we can think of architecture. I mean, even the church buildings and cathedrals uh, around the world, particularly, say, on the continent of Europe, uh, were just beautiful. A lot of them point upwards. They are uh, towers and spires, the form of architecture is pointed. It's to draw your attention up towards God. And just beautiful art, the yeah. colorful stained glass windows. Even the shape of the buildings is in the form of a cross. Um, so there's so much in architecture that is to point people to God, but also the cross mm. of Jesus Christ. So that's a profound influence. And that speaks to people uh, today. Um, I was hearing of one uh, scientist, really, who went into the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris and just had this profound spiritual experience because of wow. the architecture. So Christians have influenced that, even literature. Um, of course, there are, again, the more obvious uh, works of Christian literature, whether it's someone like C.S. Lewis, right. and his Narnia Chronicles, John Bunyan, the, the Pilgrim's Progress, but in other perhaps less direct ways. So, for example, St. Augustine, back around the year 400, he wrote his confessions, and it was like his inner turmoil and the sin he'd been involved in and right. his redemption. And some would say he actually opened the way for us to have the novel because 
until that point, no one had written about the inner feelings really? and processing of a person. And of course, much literature, the novel, it's about people's struggles right. and compassion and their love for mm -hmm. one another or their hatred for one another. Mm -hmm. So some would say we wouldn't have the genre of a novel today if it hadn't been for Augustine writing his confessions centuries ago. It opened up new ways of writing and being. And even in music, of course, there are the obvious examples, you know, Handel's Messiah, Bach, right, right. St. Matthew, Passion. They're clearly Christian. But even some uh, forms of the modern-day symphony developed from church music back in the 16th century. So we may not realize if we go to a symphony concert or something, but even forms and structures of music came out of a Christian influence. Mm -hmm. So the arts world um, has been profoundly influenced by Christians, yes. That is amazing. Are there other significant parts of life that benefited from Christian influence that you can think of? Well, yeah, I mean, we haven't touched on the whole area of finance and economics true, uh, true, and work. True. And uh, I think that's interesting as well. The biblical worldview, right back to the Garden of Eden, is that work is something to be honored. It's, right. it, it's something of dignity. Right. In the paradise, if you like, that God created, the man and woman had a job to do. They, they had to do work. Um, and obviously that became a lot more complicated later on after right. their sin. But there is dignity in human work. And so Christians have seen that and mm -hmm. realize we need to work and be diligent and faithful. Um, it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, If a man will not work, he shall not eat. God wants us to work and to provide for ourselves, our families, and to enjoy the fruit of our labors. I think the Benedictine uh, monks really helped with this. Uh, their motto was labore et orare, which is to work is to pray. And so the whole rhythm of their life was you'd pray, you'd go out and work in the fields for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So you'd come back mm -hmm. in and pray. You'd go and do some more work. You'd copy scriptures. Correct. You'd come back and pray. So they had this rhythm of prayer and work, really seeing it as the same thing. They are both worshipping God, right, whether right. it's singing or uttering words of prayer. And even things in the scriptures, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. They have governed the ways we do property and wealth accumulation mm. and helped shape our society. Mm. But even more recently, um, trades unions, many of them were started by Christians. If we go back to Great Britain, it was the trade unions in the industrial era who spoke up and said some of the practices from our employers are not right. Correct. They're not just. Correct. There's lack of health and mm -hmm. safety. And the meetings of the trade unions, they were called chapels because they met in the chapel, mm -hmm. in the, the church building. So we see even some of the modern labor movement has been influenced by Christian principles. And of course, Christians standing up for great uh, injustice in the area of work and economics. Um, I have here mention of Lord Shaftesbury in Britain. He lived 1801 to 1885. And when he was 26, he wrote, I want nothing but usefulness to God and my country. Mm. And he was the classic reformer in the Victorian era. He introduced laws in Parliament to eliminate child labour. 
1875, Parliament passed the Chimney Sweeps Act, which stopped children working up chimneys and getting caught and some even dying. Just a, a whole plethora of legislation that a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, introduced to protect children, workers' rights, just health and safety Correct. as we go about our work. There are still matching millions of child uh, laborers today in the world, um, and so there's still much to be done. But throughout history, Christians have often address this area because of their belief in the sanctity of human life, but realizing work is a good thing or yes, should be, that's right. but it needs to be regulated in a world of sinfulness. And, so uh, really Christians have spoken into that whole right. world of economics. Right. And yeah. that's why we need Christians in every realm of life, every area of influence today. There needs to be those who are believers in Christ and recognizing the need that that can be just as important as someone who's a pastor of a church. Yes. And that's one way God's using people. Yes. Other ways he's using us as influencers in other areas of society. Yes. And that's why this is all such an important discussion. Yes. Anything more you'd like to say to our listeners today, uh, Peter, about this whole subject? This has been intriguing. Sure. Well, I think it's a question of balance or two things. Yes, the church has made some mistakes in some areas. Right. And we don't want to just, you know, wash over that. But also, it's not true when people say the church has just been an instrument of oppression or, right. or whatever. Right. It is the Christian faith that's motivated so many people mm -hmm. to change the world of education, government, law. Mm. It's Christians mm. who've helped us have modern science today. It's right. Christians who've taken care of the poor and needy. Christians behind hospitals. I'm not sure we ever quite touched on that's that. That's true. But the early... Very hospitals true. were at yeah. the monasteries right. because Christians saw the dignity of a sick person, whereas the ancient world would say they can just That's be good. cast off. So, so much of what we take for granted, even some of our charities and non-profit mm. organizations, mm -hmm. they were started because of Christians who believe yes. we should enact compassion and concern for That's people, even in our institutions and structures. So we take a balanced view, but there's much good there that can inspire us. Mm. So I think the question comes, which of us today are going to engage in these areas? And as I said last time, it does require work and thinking and reading right. and uh, understanding what's going on and how to propose legislation or to enact reform. Mm -hmm. But it's something that's vital. And if we do that, I think we stand in a long healthy tradition yes. that the church has had right since yes. the beginning. Yes, so, so true. Uh, talk to our listeners about how, if they want to know more about how they can learn more about, you know, everything you're talking about in these two podcasts, uh, where do they go? Where do they, sure. where are some possibilities for sure. the things they could read online, whatever? Sure. Um, well, attached, the notes attached to this podcast yes. will have a couple of books I mentioned last week, one by uh, Nona Werner Harrison and one by Alvin Schmidt. Mm -hmm. And so look up those details. There are some great books that will help you understand this more. Uh, there's an article I've written. So those are a few places okay. to start. Um, and of course, there are books by Christians who've tried to think through what is a good theology for medicine mm. or science or politics and so on. So, you know, just search for some literature out there. Maybe someone is particularly interested in a certain topic. So find information right, right, and, uh, and literature right. on a Christian perspective on that. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I was in some meetings just recently 
where a large number of churches have decided to do something about the environment which we live in. Mm -hmm. And Christians are helping people uh, get electric bikes. They're mm. planting more trees so mm -hmm. we can reduce carbon dioxide exactly. and have less pollution. Mm -hmm. And it was very encouraging to see groups of Christians specifically engaged in that mm -hmm. one issue and how it might help the world. Mm -hmm. That's just one issue. Sure. So some will be called to different areas of right. society, um, but I think we should encourage people to engage in these issues. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a long tradition of doing so that's made this world a better place. Exactly. And in doing that, I think we're fulfilling God's purposes. God created us for shalom, which is healthy right. community with God, with the physical world, with mm -hmm. one another where there's justice and we flourish within that right. and we reflect that back to God in worship. Mm. So I think there's a theological imperative for us to mm. engage in these issues. I want to mention again the uh, some of the books that you've written, Peter, uh, cell groups and house churches, where you go back into history and explain that uh, small groups are not just some new idea that somebody came up with recently. Correct, yeah. This is way back to the Methodists and the Ravens and back further even than yeah. that. And you've done that so well. And then you've written some really practical books, uh, you along with Hillary Vargas, on missions, Evolving Missions, 24 Voices Reflecting Missions Today from Many Perspectives, and also Preparing to Go. This is the best short-term mission guide I I've seen, uh, compiled by Peter Bunton and Hillary Vargas. And mm -hmm. I want to say, before we close the podcast today, Peter, we worked together for many, many years, been in the same team for many, many years. And, and as I teach on leadership, I often, often will say it's important to find people that they're in your life to serve on the same team with you who are smarter than you or wiser than you. You've been one of those persons on, on the teams, some of the teams that I've led, and you've been a great blessing to work with. So thank you for sharing your art today and these two podcasts on this very, very important subject. Any last-minute thing that you feel like, I wish you would have said it, here's your chance. Well, I think just as you mentioned the book there, Evolving Missions, we, in a sense, it relates some of the subject of this podcast to yes. missions because we find as we do missions around the right. world, we come across injustice. We, we come across the need for education. We even come across pollution that is, mm -hmm. is badly affecting a community. Right. So these aren't just academic, you know, right. philosophical discussions. Uh, I'm involved in world missions and we find as we engage in many ways, these issues are real. How do we yes. treat children or women and so on? So um, I just want to kind of do a little plug there for those interested in world missions. Mm. It ties in with the subject of this yes. podcast very much. It does. And of course, you're also a, a professor at you know, local seminaries and local uh, universities. And, and again, so blessed to have you with us today. Now, if everyone listening today, check out the show notes, because on the show notes, you'll find this article Peter's written, he's talking about, you'll find various books that he's written, and just other resources that'll help you yeah. dig into this very important subject more deeply. So, Dr. Peter Bunn, so good to have you today on the podcast, and we look forward to seeing all of you real soon as we minister to people around the world on these small areas of leadership that we can learn, just small things we can learn that can make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of those we serve. So God bless you, and we look forward to having you back with us on the podcast next week. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.